Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Link Colby, Editorial Director at Cursed Dragon Ship Publishing. Our guest this week is DJ Bodden, writer of science fiction and adventurous traveler. He likes to make people laugh for the wrong reasons, tries to sell people grimoires disguised as fiction, is scared of spiders, and only recently learned to ride a bike. He listens with Flynn with his wife and thinks it's important that they should someday be adopted by a fox. If he's not your favorite now, he will be after. Welcome, DJ. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing awesome. Anything that starts with trumpets is probably going to be a good event. No, well, that's see, that was the plan. That was the plan mm-hmm. all along. We we must announce our presence. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, are we ready to get to these questions? Absolutely. I'm 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 totally not panicked about these at all. Oh, don't worry. They're not that scary. Mm-hmm. Ready yep. for the first one? Yep. All right. Where do you get your ideas? Um. Wow. Um, so uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a science fiction writer, so I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance. Um, <laughs> the human brain is capable of processing 50 bits per second. Uh, so 50 little yes, no's of, of data per second. Um, and if you've ever had to try to, to run your, your, your computer or, uh, on your internet connection, that's not a heck of a lot. Um, we can actually process over 11 billion bits per second in our subconscious. Um, so, uh, I, I, I would tell you that I read a lot, um, and I, I, I try to read a, a variety of things. Um, like sometimes, uh, I really like, um, when, when I'm launching a new book or a new series, I'll, I'll deliberately go and, and find new authors, um, who are writing their first books. Um, and, and we'll do, um, you know, kind of, we'll, I'll read your book, you read mine. If, if, uh, if we want to, we can, we can do a review of that. Uh, but I, I like to take in those those new books because one, they don't know what they're not supposed to do yet. Um, so you get a lot of kind of fresh perspectives. Um, and and the second thing is um, kind of it, it gets your brain going in terms of, okay, that's a cool idea, right? But there it's all about how you execute it. Um, how could that have been done differently? How can that start a new creative process? Um, I, I think, uh, you know, when, um, when, when I wrote the, the latest books, it, it was kind of centered around this idea of, um, if I, I took Star Wars, right, which is about, uh, a poor farmer boy, boyfriend who, uh, wanted to be a pilot and, and leave his planet and then got sucked up into a global, uh, or, or a galactic conspiracy, um, uh, what would happen if that that kid had actually been born into uh, a privileged elite? He, he'd been he'd gone to the best schools, he'd had all the best things, and and then he decided, you know what, I'm going to dump all that and go off and be a pilot. And and that's a, a little bit of a different story. It, it's just a twist on on the the existing thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, because I'm a pantser, um, uh, so and, and I really so kind of I have an idea of the general direction I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, uh, I, I call it action figure playtime. You know, when you were a kid and you had the two action figures and you mashed them together. Um, I, I, I try to grab characters who have very different ideas about what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's bad. Um, and I put them in a room together and I let them fight. Um, and, and that usually takes my, my story into, uh, unexpected directions. Um, so I was actually writing a piece, uh, the other day and I, I had it all planned out, right? This character was going to travel to a system that would take four days because it's this distance and there's these gates between it and and she's gonna go from there and make up an excuse to go to this space station and she's gonna talk to this guy that she hired and it's gonna be all this thing. And um, I started writing it and all of a sudden the taxi driver was actually sent by the person she was thinking she was gonna go have to hunt down. And by the way, he can uh, you know, lock the doors, gas her, and drop her off at any point. And he wanted to make that point to her. Um, and he doesn't do that. He drops her off where she's expecting to go and, and says goodbye and remember we're watching you. Um, but that was completely unscripted. Um, so I, I think sometimes it's just a question of you uh, You get a feel for uh, when are you bored, when are you exciting, uh, what, what would really make, make this uh, a really interesting or bad moment for that character, and, and let's throw him into the shark pool. Excellent. Torture your characters. I like that. That's a good. That's a good way to come up with ideas. Mm-hmm. I find it works. Uh, I want you to know that the um, chat 
is picking you up as a fellow IT nerd, like half of them. Or is that true? Yeah, no, that, that's uh, that's pretty true. Uh, in uh, in my mild minored uh, day job, um, I'm the COO of a, a tech company. Um, I uh, we we work in uh, blockchain traceability um, and and kind of data aggregation of bringing things together, and 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 basically. Um, the type of work we do is is uh, we we work with supply chains where a lot of the stuff is still done on paper, um, and and I think as uh, as non traditionally published authors and, and publishers, um, we know the power of data, right? Um, once you start measuring things, that's when you can understand your readers. That's when you can understand your business. That's when you can make money. That's when you can find new readers. That's when you can uh, learn which stories to tell, right? Um, Spreadsheets are and, our friend. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, but but don't t- tell people that because then they'll know you're re- you're you're really a, a nerd, not a geek, um, which is another fun distinction. Um, I'm but, both. <laughs> um, yeah, that's good. Me too. Um, but, uh, but until you have that data, you, you can't control your business and you're stuck in the fifties, right? Um, uh, or, or sooner than that. Um, so what we're trying to do is, is help people who are still working with paper and, and say, okay, here, here's the deal. You don't have to learn this big, massive, complex system. You don't have to learn how to program. I'm going to teach you to upload your piece of paper. And our system is going to stitch all those things together and, and help you turn that into one big long chain that means something instead of being an isolated piece of data. And you're going to have access to it and your clients are going to have access to it and your banks are going to have access to it and whoever you share it with is going to have access to it. Um, because we think that can really transform people's lives. If, if you can measure something, then you can change it. Excellent. That sounds like a fun business plan. It also sounds frustrating trying to convert people. I know that's half of our job, right? <laughs> Um, yep, 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 absolutely. Uh, well, well, yeah, the crowd- I was actually, um, I was a, as a Marine before I was a coffee trader, before I was a tech guy. Um, and By the way, notice the trend. In the What's that? I want to make sure the chat notices the trend that these writers that we talk to, including myself and like every one of them have multiple jobs. Yeah. Like we didn't just come out of the womb writers, right? I mean, yeah. we did. But my point is we take all of that experience from all these multiple jobs and then add it to the book. So it, it's it's pretty cool. Thank you for staying with that trend. I like it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I think that does play in, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, if you're, you're writing military sci-fi, then, um, then, then knowing uh, what, what the pointy end is, is is probably a good thing. Um, but, but I actually... Or just the um, culture, knowing the culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. the difference between Australia and a yogurt. One of them will eventually develop a culture. Um, but uh, the uh, and and I, I say that in jest. Australians are lovely people, and I absolutely love flying foxes. They're they're the absolute most wonderful creatures, and probably the only thing in Australia that's not actively trying to kill you. Um, but uh, that's why we um, won't go. What's that? That's why it's we we will not go. We oh, decided okay. a long time ago. We've heard enough stories of Australia, firsthand stories, not even on the TV, and mm-hmm. everything is trying. Even the pollen is trying to kill you. Yeah. So we're out. You know, I, I thought it was pretty safe. I was I was just staying in Sydney. We were fine. And me and my buddy were walking down the street. And as he's walking by, and I'm, I'm, I'm scared of spiders, by the way. As he's walking by, this giant golden orb weaver is hanging two inches to the left of his head. And he just walks straight past it. And I'm like. And See, now that's what I would be afraid of. We have golden <laughs> orb weavers here, just not as big as Australia. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, she was she was just minding her own business, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But We're all of problem. those venomous ones they have, like 9,000 of them, so much so that they have antidotes in their drugstore. Yeah, no, I'm not all about that. No, that's uh, not cool. No, no. Um, here, I have a question about your five-fold universe. Okay. So for everyone who doesn't know what that is, we see the awesome covers. What? How would you describe it? So um, the, there, there's two sides to this, right? Um, there's uh, there's what does fivefold mean? Um, yeah. In in strictly science fiction terms, it's five dimensions. So we have three dimensions of space, um, we have one dimension of time, and then we have the extra one for the multiverse. Um, but what we're really talking about is um, we wanted to bring together um, multiple genres within kind of a consistent uh, experience. So. You know, you can you can maybe have an author that you really like for cyberpunk. You could really have an author that you love for military sci-fi. Um, but 
when you're trying to find a new one, it can be kind of inconsistent. Like uh, every once in a while, uh, good cover inside, full of typos. Um, every once in a while, bad cover on the outside, but everyone recommends it and you read it and it's actually amazing. Um, and what I was was thinking when we were working with, uh, with Shadow Alley Press and putting it together is, okay, well, we don't necessarily like one genre of sci-fi more than another. We like a lot of things, right? We write space opera. We like big fleet actions. We like um, like planetary noir, where we're uh, you know the Blade Runner type stuff. Um, yes. We we like a good thriller, like think uh, Tom Clancy, but three thousand years in the future. Um, we like all those things, um, and and we want to give all those things kind of a consistent home because sometimes. Um, and, and I can only speak for certain authors, but, you know, the, the ones with like the wall of post-its and, and the little twine going from between and, and, and they're using three different iterations of Scrivener. Like <laughs> I, I thought to myself, okay, that's great, but that's super complicated. And that takes a lot of time that you could be using to tell great stories about great characters. So how about I build that for people? Um, and you can come in and play and, and write your stories and I will have done all that back work for you. And, and by the way, I'll get the science right. Um, so I, I started with a 50 slide, uh, PowerPoint deck. Um, mm -hmm. we now have a wiki, um, with a timeline and, and tech and explanations and, and like political systems and factions and, and what you can do and what you can't. Um, and, uh, we've got, uh, myself and two other authors writing in it right now. And, uh, we're looking on bringing on uh, six more authors by the end of the year. Wow. That's so cool. So you're like running your own publishing company here. Kind of. Um, I, I, I look at myself as a licensor. Um, I'm, I'm an IP owner. Um, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build something that's, um, kind of built from the bottom up to be a fandom. Um, that's going to be multi-genre, that's going to be a brand, um, and that's going to deliver the kind of experience and community and and kind of crunchiness that uh, a Star Wars, a Star Trek, a uh, Battletech, or uh, a Warhammer 40k would. It's very but clever. we're starting from books, whereas they usually start from movies or board games. That's very clever, like the, the Four Horsemen. So there's a lot of people doing that. So I'm Absolutely. really impressed. Really impressed. If I can talk Florida Kevin into it, we're going to do that with this Misplaced Mercenary series. Let's see. So that's nice because um, I'm glad you can't see behind my camera because I'm the one with the board and all of the index cards with the <laughs> lines. And the, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And yeah. it takes a lot of time, right? It does. Way more time. Sometimes I think I'm just procrastinating. I've um, read that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. I don't so like let's see. Who write those things, though. <laughs> right. So if it's already like if I was going to write, like you said, if I was going to write a Star Trek one, I could just write it. Mm hmm. So that makes total sense to me. Let's see. You use an interesting tactic. So apparently mm -hmm. you like your tactics because this was cool. Because I'm an editor also, right? So that's probably my favorite hat is the editor hat. And in the Starborn Air, where you mm -hmm. showed your protagonist stealing, or it seems like he was stealing. It wasn't very clear. Mm -hmm. In the very beginning, a spaceship in an yes. adrenaline-filled scene. Mm -hmm. And then you plop the reader back in time a few months where the same character swore he'd never go to space. Exactly. That was so clever. Because I will tell you, at that point, I could not stop reading because I had to know what changed. So I'm wondering That's what awesome. motivated you behind that decision to do it like that? Um, so I um, uh, I could tell you that I'm super smart and I just see around corners, right? Um, uh, but what I really do is um, I'm, I'm a strong believer in scene-based writing. Um, I, I plot my books out in Scrivener. Um, usually what I'll start is I'll, uh, I'll, I'll think about the, the character, the premise, um, the, the theme. I actually write my blurb first. So I, I start, the very first thing I do is, is think, what's the story that my reader wants to read? Um, what, what's the experience? How, what's the, 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 the kind of punch that you're going to get? And, and again, it was around that idea of, I want to tell Star Wars, but I want to. I, I don't want him to be a dumb farm kid. I want him to know stuff, um, and uh, I, I want him to have like a little bit of that suave charm, a little bit of experience. And and when the the defecation hits the the ventilation and and then circulates through the pipes, um, he he's actually going to have like a wealth of experience to fall back on. Um, and, and by the way, his, his significant other is a, is a cybernetics doctor. So she's not going to be like a defenseless princess. She's actually going to have like built-in capacitors to shock people, um, and be able so to take cool. out, take down, uh, cyborgs. And, and, and so 
what I, I really wanted in, in that is Zach is not like on his first flight. He, he's not a, he, he's, he's, he's not a character that's starting from nothing, but he has a lot to learn. Um, and he works really hard at it. Right. So what I wanted to show is by the end of this, you're going to have a character that is going to do all the Han Solo uh, Kessel run in, in less than 12 parsecs uh, stuff. Um, and then I kicked him back to school. Um, and I said, this is a highbrow academic in an ivory tower, and he knows nothing. And how do we get from that point to, to where we got in, in, um, in, in, you know, gone in 60 seconds, but, but in about six months. Um, and, and I think, you know, ultimately, I, I, you can talk about uh, a couple different things, you know, um, you know, the, the, the true, true artist to tell, tell someone the, the end before the beginning and then show them how to get there. Um, you know, if you, uh, a, a lot of it is re run around uh, Greek mythology, so you have the interplay of the fates as well. Um, you, you have a, a certain idea that there, there are no new stories, right? All the stories in the world have already been told. Um, no doubt, if, no. if you go with the monomyth, all the stories are, are basically the, the hero's journey. Um, but how do I tell it? And, and it's kind of like throwing the gauntlet down, right? Saying, I, I'm going to give you the end of this book. Here you go. You've got it. Um, if, if, if this is not the book you're interested in, you can walk away now. We're good. Um, I have other books that, that may be more interesting for you. But if you don't like where this is going, this is probably not the book for you. And now I'm going to blow your mind with how we get there. That's awesome. I just thought it was very clever. I might totally steal that. Because, you know, that's sure? what we do in the writing world. Absolutely. Well, well, actually, artists never steal. We only get inspired. Oh, I like that. That's mm -hmm. a great saying. I'm going to have to write that down. Let's see. Um, your bio suggests that you travel extensively. And I will say with our pre-interview, you definitely travel extensively. So I have lots of questions about that. One, okay. I would like to know if you had to choose a place you've already been, so somewhere mm -hmm. you've already been, just one place, which one would you revisit? Visit or stay? Just revisit. Um, I would go back to Hong Kong um, before the, the People's Republic closes it down. Um, and I would go to, um, there's, there's the tallest bungee jump in the world uh, on, on a little island that's like 30 minutes off the coast. Um, and I would go there and I would do that jump. I, I didn't do it um, at the time, one for scheduling, two for budget. Um, and now I kind of wish I had. Um, it's like 500 meters or, or 1,500 feet just <laughs> off the top of the building. And I, I just think that would be amazing. And, and I want that in my, like, pool of things that I've done. That sounds terrifying. But totally safe, I think. Okay. You set off a building. All I'm seeing is you swing it right back into the building. Like, I can't <laughs> see it any other way. Yeah, I, I probably like getting there, right? I, I've seen the pictures and it looks amazing. You've got the, the harbor all around and, and stuff like that. But probably going to check the facade of the building for bloodstains. Just, uh, just a good general principle. Is that rust or is that something else? Are there really fat vultures just hanging around? Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> always uh, check. That's definitely like one of those things that you want to check for is fat vultures. Yes, always look for the fat vultures and then yeah. don't go there. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Mark Stallings, a fellow mm -hmm. writer, asked me to ask you about an incident at a coffee plantation. Which one? He said there was something about shots being fired. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, that was probably Papua New Guinea. Um, we, uh, Wait, this happened more than once? You have to decide where it was? Well, I, I've been to a couple to to be in a, to a couple countries and I've been shot at in a couple different places. Um, so um, uh, and and that's a whole other barrel of fun. Um, I, I remember I was in Afghanistan and uh, we were we were on base, so relatively safe area. And um, you know something happened in in the wrong part of it. Bullet went off, zipped through the tent. I was so tired, I just went back to sleep. Um, uh, but. Neither here nor there. Um, I didn't actually get shot at in Papua New Guinea. Um, ah. There's a, the, I, I don't know if you're familiar, it, it, it's it's one of the largest um, uh, islands in the world. Um, half of it is is kind of controlled by Indonesia. The other half was controlled by Australia. For So the Indonesian half was was controlled by um, the, the, the Dutch and they gave it up to Indonesia. Um, whereas Australia controlled the, the eastern half and then turned it over to an independent government in the 70s. Um, and it's one of the most dangerous places in the world. Um, 
So you don't go running outside. You don't leave the compound. Um, and and this is if you're 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 a guy. Um, if you're if you're a woman, um, it is just not a really safe place to be. Um, but in certain areas uh, that are not on the mainland, that are not away from the big cities, that are not behind closed walls, uh, you know, there are certain places where it's it's gorgeous. Uh, people hike the trails. Um, you just have to know where you are. Um, and and one of the things that that's kind of funny about Papua New Guinea is that their assumptions, uh, the 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 they're they're very tribal uh, culture. Um, and it's actually enshrined in their constitution that you can't do anything to erase tribal identities. Like they have something like 246 languages uh, on this what? one island. Um, so it's just an island, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but it's a really big one. Um, Australia is also just an island. Um, yeah, but so, Australia's uh, a lot bigger than Papua New Guinea. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but um, so it, it's only you know some of these these tribes have only been contacted for a little while, um, and 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 many of them still have their own local languages. They're not the same languages as the tribes around them, and they still fight. Um, and their attitudes towards fighting are are not uh, if if we're we're thinking a very highbrow version, not very evolved. And, and if uh, we want to put it in a different light, we'd say that they're, they're still pretty tough people. Um, so I remember, and I'm going to tell you this story because this is a story I can tell um, and the others I can't. Um, but uh, I remember uh, our guide, because we always had, whenever we were driving around, we always had one of the locals who was there and he carried um, uh, a knife and a pistol. Um, and he had a scar on his arm. And that scar was from when uh, one of the local tribes decided that this coffee plantation that he worked on um, and that his uh, his kind of subunit of the tribe, they had houses on that farm. The farmer actually gave them lands to, to cultivate for themselves, um, both out of generosity and as self-preservation, because you'll defend what's yours. Um, uh, he had a hole through his arm uh, where an arrow had actually gone through his biceps while they were trying to stop this group of other tribes people from coming and burning the whole place down. And they actually ended up burning um, the, the school that they had built and, and many of the, the kind of, the, they used the, the kind of classic Tahitian uh, palm huts. Uh, so those all got burned down and um, in return, like they, they chased those people off their land and, and uh, everyone is still there. Um, but the, the thing that really kind of sealed it for me is when, when he looked at that hole in his biceps, you know, nowadays in, in kind of a, a more westernized, uh, modern uh, culture, we would say, oh, that's a really terrible thing that happened to you. Um, but he immediately laughed, um, uh, which reminds me a little bit of my Marine Corps days. And the second question that one of the traders I was with who, who had been there many times asked him is, you really want them to come back so that you can kick their asses again, don't you? Um, and he immediately said, yes, absolutely. Um, so it, it, it's, it's just kind of a reminder, um, to me, um, especially when you're writing sci-fi, especially when you're dealing with, um, planets that may have been isolated from each other and developed their entirely new cultures, when you're dealing with aliens who really should not be human, um, check your assumptions at the door. Um, and remember everyone comes to a situation, whether they're an individual or a culture or a country, um, with their own sets of assumptions, um, and, and you need to be prepared to, to navigate within that. I'm just impressed they were able to keep so much of their cultural identity between, you know, the Dutch and the Australians trying to take over. Yeah. That alone is um, impressive. Well, I think the Dutch and the Australians mainly stayed in the coastlines um, uh, and in the highlands, which were, were just very dangerous. And, and there's not that much in terms of kind of natural resources to exploit until oil drilling became a thing. Um, uh, we're left mostly untouched. And there's like two million, two million people up there. So it's a sizable population. Yeah, that's quite a lot. Yeah. yeah, Florida Kevin calls them linguistic overachievers, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, the chat cannot decide if you work for the CIA or if you're Batman. You know, um, I'm not rich enough to be Batman, uh, so let's steer towards the CIA, except the funny thing is everyone thinks I work for the CIA. So I'm either the most brilliant spy that ever lived or the worst one, and I can't decide which. <laughs> That's hilarious. <clears throat> that just sounds like a brilliant cover. No, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. That's what my high school friends all think. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Florida Kevin says, DJ is both fascinating and entertaining, but I do not want to travel with him. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. I say yes to way too many things. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not that adventuresome. I'll just read your books and I'll get it secondhand. You should. I mean, I, I think you should totally read read my books, and then I would love your feedback um, because I, I think um, you know it, it's kind of cool. I was talking to to three people recently, um, and and I asked them, "Where does my book start for you?" Um, and um, the first book I wrote, I had a number of people who ended up loving it, absolutely loving it. Like, and and they loved me because it, but because of it. But they had to start it five times because the start was so slow. So now, like almost as like an overcompensating thing, I have to make my book start like within the first couple pages. They 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 have to start for me, or I'm not doing my job. Um, and and so you'll notice it's a good thing to do three... anyway. So yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, thank you. Um, uh, um, you'll you notice there's three starts to the book, right? There's there's the whiz bang, space captain, shots fired type stuff. Mm-hmm. There's the academic uh, where where he's kind of like a really smart guy who knows a lot of things and he's he's having an internal conflict over writing an essay of all things. Um, we'll never go then, to space. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then he shows up at his girlfriend's front door unannounced after six months and she lets him in. Um, and depending on who I talk to, they each choose a different version of where the book starts for them. So you've mentioned it's that switch over from I'm a whiz-bang space captain to I'm riding an elevator in the best part of the city. Um, I had I talked to a, a friend of mine today, uh, super into spreadsheets, she's a big nerd, she's a, an intellectual, she likes to, to like her, She we swapped books, I gave her uh, my book and she gave me uh, Xi Jinlu's um, Three uh, Body Problem. Um, uh, and, and so um, for her, the start is, when he gets an exam question that he was not supposed to get. And that's what gets her because she's such an enormous nerd. And I love that about her. Um, so it, it, it's, uh, but it, it has to grab you for me. If, mm-hmm. if by the time you've, you've crossed over the, um, the, the, the first 10% or, or even 8% and I haven't got you, then, then either this book is not for you or I'm doing my job wrong. That makes sense. Well, you got me. So good job. So we need to finish this interview so I can get back to reading just so you know. <laughs> well, since speaking of locations, where's your favorite place to write? That's a tough one. Um, uh, I have two answers for that. Um, okay. My best location to write is in a closed room with no internet connection and no music on and it's midnight to 6 a.m. and everyone's asleep. Um, my word count doubles. Um, I've, I've tracked it, obviously, because uh, we're all nerds here. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I tracked the words per hour, um, and it literally doubles once I cross over midnight every single time. Um, so that's the best place for me to write. Um, I actually really enjoy writing in my English pub, uh, the Irish pub that's downstairs. Um, because uh, I like the ambiance, I don't have an internet connection, um, and and uh, um, it, it kind of takes me out of myself a little bit. Where um, I'm, I'm listening to people who are very at ease with themselves and and lo- laughing and 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 joking and calling each other the c word with a, a smile on their faces, um, and. Uh, and it kind of removes me from that thought that what I need to write right now is perfect. Um, and I'm really bad about that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually write my books in one draft. Um, oh, and wow. that's because um, I, I do one draft and I one do editorial pass and then it goes to the copy editor. Um, and, um, uh, and usually the editorial uh, passes with uh, autocrit and Grammarly. Um, but, um, I do that because I agonize so much over every scene and and I'm essentially going through hundreds of drafts in my head and I will literally just stop and stare at something and think, no, that's not right. Um, And it's really a, it's a bit of a pain too because Scrivener has terrible spell check, um, but it's the only tool I have that I I know of where I can really drag things around and move things from one project to another and, and really kind of get that cutting table feel to it and, and, color sort by character and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So all of that being said, that anything that allows me to just say, screw it, I'm just going to write this, is probably a good thing for me, or else I will write one book every five years. And by that point, it will be over-chewed garbage. 
Because you thought about it in your head too much. Yes, absolutely. Um, And it'll get to the point where it's just, there's so many plots overlapping that it's incomprehensible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I saw you had a Viridian Gate online series. I do. Starting with Nomad Soul. How did you get involved with that universe? So I was actually thinking of quitting writing. Um, uh, I, I had that would have been a tragedy. Years. Yeah, uh, uh, actually, really, for my mental health, writing is important. Um, uh, you know, I, I started writing. I was getting out of the military, um, and and I I started my military career in Texas. Actually, I went to the Marine Military Academy in Harlingen, um, and it was. Uh, yeah, don't make the faces. It's a wonderful place. Great place for for a young man to to understand what matters in life. Um, and, and I sent myself there, uh, which wasn't the case of all my classmates. Um, but I was there because they had a nomination to the Naval, Naval Academy, which I ended up getting. Um, but, Congratulations. Um, and, uh, thanks. Um, and and uh, I, I think it was also because I was the only child of a single mom. And I knew that I had grown up in an environment that was not going to channel me in the right directions. Um, so when I was 16, I told my mom, I'm joining the military. She said, over my dead body, we had a negotiation. Um, and I said, okay, fine. Um, I won't just enlist. I won't join the foreign legion, but if I'm going to be an officer, I'm going to military school next year. Um, and so I got myself shipped off to the Marine military Academy. Fantastic experience. Um, it's staffed by, uh, at the time, uh, Vietnam and Korean vets. Like if you can imagine a Korean vet actually seeing one of those walking around. Um, and, and this guy was amazing. He was 80 years old. He could still do those push-ups where your feet aren't on the ground, but your body's completely parallel to the ground. And he would run with us every morning. That was just amazing people. Wow. Um, why did I get into that? Um, Viridian Gate. Viridian Gate, yeah. So um, I noticed that those guys, when they retired, after about a year, they dropped dead. So they left. The, they did full career in the military, stayed in uniform, joined the Marine Military Academy, did it until they couldn't run anymore because, you know, I mean, some of those guys, their knees were giving out. And within a year or two of them quitting, they died. They lost um, their passion. Because you need something to keep mm-hmm. you alive. You have, you have to, to have stay a passion. active. And, and for me, I, I, uh, I, when I was ending my military career, I did two things. I switched from Muay Thai to Tai Chi. Um, and I switched, uh, from, uh, games to writing, um, because I knew that Tai Chi was something that I would be able to do for the rest of my life. Um, and, and I remember my, uh, my first Sifu, uh, in, uh, in New York, um, uh, a week before he died of cancer, ramrod straight. And, and he would go out every year in, in Bryant Park and he would knock like 20 year olds, uh, 10 feet backwards with a push. Um, and it was just kind of that idea of being rooted and, and being able to move. Um, and, and writing, I know, uh, just based off the personality I have, um, whether it's coding, whether it's video editing, whether it's art, um, I need something that I can dump an infinite amount of work into. Um, and writing is that, right? It's, it's that thing that if you've got more time, you can spend more time. If you don't have a lot of time, you can write something short. Um, and, and that's what I needed. Sorry, that was um, so, some loud thunder. Um, I don't know if it was picked up on the mic. I apologize if it was. Yeah, no worries. They didn't get my memo where I said, hold the thunderstorm till after the recording. I, I mean, they I, just I do don't listen. Texas thunderstorms, though. Just uh, generally in the south, uh, downpours are, are amazing. I, I miss the sound of it. Um, but back to Viridian and Guideline. So yes. um, writing was really important for my mental health, and I knew that from when I decided to get serious about it. Um, but I put out my first series, and I am not a marketer. Um, you know, one of the, the reasons I love working with Shadow Alley Press is I'm not a marketer. I'm a writer. Um, I'm a process guy. I do like spreadsheets. Um, I like figuring out how we're going to do things and do them a lot and do them fast. Um, but I, I'm not a huge marketing person. It just doesn't click for me. I like writing blurbs, but actually deploying them is, is just, it doesn't turn me on. Um, so I didn't do any marketing for my first series. And, and while it got very good reviews, um, uh, and, and I think... Uh, what I did was I delivered uh, a vampire story that had nothing to do with Twilight. Um, it's closer to, to Underworld, um, but it's still kind of got that little bit of a YA vibe. Um, it's realistic. It's what if vampires were real. Um, and I'm really pleased with how it turned out, except for that abominably slow start. Um, but and that's the Black Year series, right? Yep, yeah, that's the Black Year series. Um, but 
I didn't do any marketing uh, study, right? I didn't know that writing urban fiction is tough. Um, I didn't know that the market was saturated with vampire books. I didn't know that the type of people who read vampire books don't want a book, a vampire book that's not Twilight. Um, so, um, at least not at that time. You know, I, I think one of the things that I, I pride myself on actually is in, in every series I've launched, I've had at least one review that said, I don't usually read this thing that you've written, but I really liked this and now I want to read more of it. Um, uh, and, and that's what I did with Black Ball, but um, I didn't sell very much and I didn't, the only way I got it out was by giving it away. And, and I was kind of really disheartened about it. And, and um, you know, part of the bad side of um, being the only child and growing up in Monaco and then joining the Marine Corps and, and doing all this, this um, really silly stuff that, that consumes a lot of your life is that you have this expectation that you need to win. Um, and if I'm not winning, I have a tendency to want to walk away from the table. Um, and I wasn't winning. Um, and and I'd met uh, another Marine, uh, James Hunter, who who had uh, started writing um, for for similar re- reasons under similar circumstances. Except he really went for it, right? He oh, he, he said, "I'm going to go all in," whereas I kept my day job. Um, and um, and he got good at the marketing, right? He he got really good at it. And and I think um, uh, that um, I had a right combination of someone who was really good at something that. Um, it's not that I'm bad at it. It's that I have no interest in getting good at it. Um, I'd, I'd rather invest in my strengths. Yeah, and so it was a combination of someone I trusted and someone who had a key skill that I didn't have. And he opened a call for submission on Viridian Gate Online. And, and I said to myself, James has been really successful. I want to know what he's doing that I'm not. I want to write something. I don't want it to be a big deal. I'll just do a short story. Um, so I, uh, I read all, I, I had no experience with Gamelet, um, other than, you know, Tron and, and watching Sword Art Online. Um, and I, uh, I, I read all of the, the Viridian books up to that, that had been written up to that point, um, in, in about a week. Um, and, uh, I cranked out a, a short story and my goal was, I don't know if he's going to choose this. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the exact same thing I did with Zach's story. I'm going to write what came before. Um, I'm, I'm going to take your story and I'm going to say, okay, these are all the things that you've set up. Uh, what would it take to get get this to work and happen and so on and so forth, building in a little bit of the tech, uh, talking about, you know, okay, we're talking about this as a blockchain stored identity. How does that work? Um, we, we talk about people die when they log in. How does that work? Um, how did they get past, you know, safety testing with that mechanic going on? There must have been right, a lot of forces right. at work. And so I, um, I, I wrote uh, a, a lit RPG story about a guy who's not a gamer, um, who, who, uh, who doesn't like min-maxing. He wants to live in the world. Um, and I broke a lot of rules, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and and the, uh, they liked it enough. I, I think we knew each other and we respected each other uh, as as writers, but they liked what I was kind of bringing to the universe enough that they asked me if I would be willing to to do a series. Um, and by asked me if I was willing to do a series, I mean they barely mentioned it, and I showed them the outline for three books. Um, and uh, uh, and they let me write it. Um, and the the first book is is kind of a, a coming of age uh you know fun thing the second one is more of like horror and steampunk and the third one is a romance um and uh you know same principle as fivefold right it, it's how do i take a universal world characters that people like and how do i bring that together in a, a different set of stories um that is told with a really consistent level of quality um, i'm i'm super um, something retentive uh, about um, uh, edits and, and and making sure that I, I over-research things. Um, uh, but I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I, I wrote a lot of back stuff for the universe, and, and I'm really pleased that uh, I, I got to have that experience. And now I'm, I'm actually working on uh, with James. So uh, James wrote Cataclysm, which is the main story, and, and everyone loves it, um, and, and they should. And, and by the way, Doomforge is an amazing book. Um, I wrote what happened one year before that, um, though that's kind of like time twisty because the god of time is involved. Um, and then now we're writing what happened 17 years after that in a, an episodic series called Portal Mage uh, as a collaboration between me and James. Um, so, so that's another thing that we've been working on. 
Well, so well, this so this series is uh, lit up. RPG. Can yeah. you tell the audience a little bit what are the tropes in lit RPG? Because it can be confusing. So there, there's actually two things, right? There's lit RPG and there's game lit. Um, and game lit is what you usually see um, kind of in the the broad appeal. It just means you dropped into a video game. Somehow that video game is more important than a normal video game. Um, it's impacting the world. Um, generally speaking, it means that you're immersed in it. So you've got some kind of plug into your nervous system where you're actually inside the game. Sometimes I've seen VR lit RPG uh, or VR game lit. It's more rare. Um, but um, what it's really about is wish fulfillment. It's I can be anyone and I can become anyone. And I'm going to start from zero. Right. Me and the wealthiest person in the world are going to start from zero. And by hook and by crook and by gaming the system and by working hard, we are going to achieve amazing world changing things. Um, and, and that's the, the fundamental nature of both game lit and, and lit RPG. Lit RPG takes it a little bit further and it says this world has rules. It has very strict rules. You can't break them. And in order to win, you need to figure out how to use the rules to your advantage. Um, and if you break the rules, and it's too easy, the readers will hate you. And if you don't have rules, the readers will hate you. And they're very opinionated, but they reward you if you do a good job of it. Um, and so uh, the hallmark of lit RPG versus game lit is usually you have stat sheets and, and you have to figure out how to use the skills to do it versus, you know, just wanting it really hard, <laughs> um, which, which might work out in a game lit. Excellent. So it's kind of the difference between hard sci-fi and like, you know, space opera. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It is exactly that difference. That's awesome. Well, you said you, you read a lot and you read a lot growing up too. What, mm -hmm. um, all, what are your author idols or who I should say are your author idols? Um, uh, I have a bunch of different answers to that. Um, uh, I think, uh, you know, one of the books I, I keep coming back to uh, is um, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Um, I know a lot of people don't like it. Um, I've, I've had some pretty strong reactions against it, um, partly because it's, it's very uh, male-oriented. Um, but for a young man uh, who didn't have a lot of male role models, uh, it, was a, it was a hell of a book to read, and my grandmother gave it to me. Um, uh, so I, I didn't get the kind of sense that this is a boys' club and, and this, is, uh, this, you know, this was something that my grandmother thought would be good for me to have in my head, um, and I always appreciate that. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Ian M. Banks, who is a Scottish writer who died way too soon. Um, he wrote these mind-blowing books called the Culture Novels. Um, and, and what he really did was he showed a far future utopian society where AIs and humans who were augmented in all kinds of crazy ways could coexist and how that would really work um, and, and got them into all sorts of interesting hijinks. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Medeset. Um, I think, uh, you know, I've read and reread the Imager portfolio so many times. He, he does such amazing world building and he sets up the rules and then he uses them. Um, it's not lit RPG, but the spirit's there and it's just super consistent. And then, you know, he writes three, 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 and then he flips over next series and it's just as good. And he's been doing it for so long. I think that's amazing. Um, just in terms of, you know, kind of delivering quality to your readers. I, I find that super impressive. Um, uh, I've been, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Solomon. Um, I, I think he wrote some pretty cool stuff. Um, uh, if you look at Ecclesiastes, it's just straight philosophy. Um, and, and Proverbs is pretty cool too. Um, I uh, what else have I read recently? I, I jumped back to Aristotle and read the Poetics. Um, I thought it was pretty cool that he described method acting before, uh, like he was actually talking about um, how there are two types of actors. There are actors who can fake it, and there are actors who are deranged enough to believe they are the character. Um, and and I, I, it just, it, it tickles me that this Greek dude from way before um, was thinking of the same problems that we're dealing with in Hollywood today. Um, I, I just love the fact that he, he was talking about things that were relevant today. And, and I love the concept that people today are maybe have a little bit of a better education, maybe a little bit better IQs as a, as a fundamental, but 
we're not that terribly different from the people who were running around 5,000 years ago. Um, or, or 10,000 years ago for that matter. I agree. It is so um, fascinating. Yeah. So fascinating. My son's taking a philosophy class right now and he, you know, he talks about the different philosophers and it's fun watching him discover them. Yeah. So it, it's, it's amazing. The human brain has not changed that much. Society's changed. Technology has changed, but the human brain, not so much. That's well, like the old quote, right? If I've seen far, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yep. yeah, I, I think all of those are, are good books and, and worth reading. Um, I, I, I could just keep listing, um, but those are the ones that come off the top of my head. Nice. Um, besides, you know, your CIA duties, what hobbies do you enjoy to refill your creative cup? So that's a tough one. Um, I actually just write. Um, you know, when I wrote The Illusionist, uh, I was working the same job I have now, which is uh, 9.30 in the morning until 7.30 at night. I'd uh, spend an hour to kind of cook and eat, and then I'd write till about 2 a.m. Um, and that's how I got through three books in about seven months. Um, so You are uh, friends with James A. Hunter. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm not an, uh, an Aaron Crash. I'm not a Sam Witt. I can't crank out a, a book in a week or a, a, a book in a month. Uh, I'm not that person. I can pretty well, You might be able to if you didn't have a full time job, though. I think you could do it. You know, actually, that is a that is a point. Um, you know, for the past two days, I've been hitting 2000 words a day. So that's two months a book. Right. If I had more time, maybe I would or maybe I'd just goof off. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it depends if. Uh, if I'd be allowed to to do my stuff from midnight to six, maybe I'd I'd get that. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I I think I have a, a little bit different perspective than some people who, are, who who I really admire as commercial writers because they they have such an output for you know the output plus quality really gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I, I know Dakota Kraut puts out yes, five thousand yes. words a day, rain or shine, and and I admire the hell out of that. Um, and he doesn't throw I, away half of them. That's what I do if I have a th- five thousand word day. Yeah. Um, and and we have guys in our channel who who do ten thousand words a day, and I'm just kind of like blown away. Um, uh, and 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 the words keep getting better too. So it's not like it's just it's just garbage. It's actually good words. Right. Um, so I, I, I admire that. I'm in the position right now um, because of my family situation. Um, I'm I'm not willing to sacrifice my. Um, kind of job security for um, something, you know, when I was, um, when I was my teens, I went to drama camp um, and, and we had actual actors teaching it. And the first thing they said, Marine school. Oh, this was before, this was when I was 14. Uh, It took me two more years to, to completely change directions, but I did that a couple of times in my life. Um, but when I was 14, I, I went to a drama camp with these, these really amazing uh, people who, who decided to make acting their lives. And the first thing they told all of us is, if you want to make this a, the, your life, just understand that you may spend your entire career, not, not like even the beginning, but your entire career, working two jobs and then going hungry while you do a free gig. Um, yep. And if you're not okay with that, don't be an actor. And I wasn't okay with that. Um, and I'm still not okay with starving, uh, in order to write books because I have family to take care of. Um, so that, that's not a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Um, I I think under the right conditions, I would immediately jump ship and do it. Um, but I'm not in that situation right now. And, and I would, uh, I would want to be, uh, set up to succeed before I do that crossover. Um, so that does two things for me. Um, one, I don't have that fire kind of burning behind me, um, where if I don't write, I don't eat. Um, um, and that means that there have been periods in my life, like before I started the VGO books where I could have just said, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. It's too much effort and and I'm not getting enough reward out of it. Um, and, and I think I've reached the point where even without that fire, I know I'm going to keep writing. It's important to me. Um, and, and the things that I put into it are important to other people. I'm, I'm starting to get kind of like the 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 impact of the writing is is changing as I get better and I'm still getting better. Um, and it, it kind of becomes that one thing that, you know, I, I know some people are like amazing violinists, they're amazing traders, they're amazing this. Writing is my thing. Um, and and I think I could get really good at it. Um, and I'm gonna do that. Um, um, but um, it, it, it's it, it it is my only hobby. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's a lot of work to be a hobby, but let's face it, there's lots of people that put a lot of work in their hobbies. Yep. 
So makes total sense to me. So I think we are almost at an hour. So I think we have to do lightning round. You ready for lightning okay. round to finish us up? Yep. All right. First, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, right now it's Netflix and chilled. It, that's, is that ice cream? Yeah, it's Ben and Jerry's. Um, it, it's kind of like a peanut butter caramel and, and pretzel, I think. How fascinating. I'm going to have to look that up. Mm -hmm. uh, hot or cold weather? Hot. Excellent. And you're in Switzerland? I'm so sorry. It's um, 30 degrees. Well, 30 degrees Fahrenheit. It, it was 85 oh, degrees today. Yeah. Uh, what part of your daily routine is an absolute must? Um, writing. Good answer. Coffee or tea? Coffee. And tea. Cat. <laughs> but, but nice of both. Uh, I, I don't drink coffee just to drink coffee unless... I need to perform like, so I, I will use caffeine. Um, but otherwise I like specialty coffee and specialty tea. Nice. Yes. Coffee for me is to concentrate, not to wake up. <laughs> Let's see. Cats or dogs? Cat, uh, dogs, <laughs> definitely dogs. What? Not foxes. Um, I love foxes. Or I think foxes are great. I couldn't have one. <laughs> um, polos or button ups. Um, neither I'm, I'm really a big fan of t-shirts like I, i've thought about like for a personal brand i've looked up like um uh stores that do cyberpunk clothing and i think it looks really cool i'd probably have to move to new york to be able to wear it though yeah or go to a convention you could wear it at yeah a convention. <laughs> yeah but I, I i wanted to like uh when i was a kid i would always every halloween i would be a ninja and everyone would be like you were a ninja last year and it's like it's still what i want to be so um uh i'm pretty consistent like that so Halloween's career day for you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, excellent. We made it. So what I would like to know, DJ, is where can fans find you and your work? So the best way is just to Google DJ Botten. Um, you'll find me in a whole bunch of channels. Um, you can find me on Amazon. Um, you can find me on Patreon. Um, if you go on my uh, Twitter, uh, there's a there's a link. And that link takes you to a switchboard that that my, uh, my marketing person uh, and it has all my links on it. Um, so that's the easiest way. Um, but what about your stuff for us? Well, actually what I'm hoping is that everyone, now that they love you and I know people in chat have already bought your book, that's how much you won them over. So for everyone who gets his book, please make sure to review his work. It's a present that you can give your author. Also, please review this podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast. You can also follow on Twitch and subscribe on YouTube. Yes. They use different words. Just confuse me. It's very mean of them. And we do want to thank our subscribers on Twitch who are DH Dunn, Roger, and Blanket Fort Stories. You help us keep these lights on, literally. So thank you very much. And we will see you next week. Oh, actually, we will not see you next week. I'm taking a Tuesday off, everyone. Shh, don't tell. But the Tuesday after that, we'll have Jay Lynn Else. So we'll have her on on the 29th. So y'all have a great time, and we'll see you next time.